0: Thank you for joining us for the Ravenswood Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Dustin Moore. We are a Bible-believing, grace-driven church located on the north side of Chicago. As a church, we are passionate about making disciples of all people for the glory of God. If you would like more information about our ministry, visit ravenswoodbaptist.org. Now, here's
1: Pastor Dustin. If you knew something was central to your personal joy you would prioritize that something. If you knew that God was the one who provided you that something, I'm sure that you, like me, would consistently go to God for that joy. But instead, we are prone to find our own way, to be joy seekers on our own, To hunt for joy like it's the lost coin or the lost sheep. We have to understand that we are people made in God's image who are wired to seek joy. Searching high and low. And the truth is, the truth is, as we seek for joy, we need to remember joy is not a phantom. It's not eluding us, running from us. It's not taking us to the end of the rainbow to look for the pot of gold that is joy. And we're often, in our search for joy, running in the opposite direction from it. We're running in the opposite direction from it. You see, John, in his letter, has begun in a very theological, yet simple terms. Told us what it means by which believers can have joy. But not just joy. Full joy. I mean, you and I must understand The joy that you and I want and the joy God gives and the joy God wants to give are not even in the same realm. The joy you desire today and the joy that God has available are not even comparable. We learned last week how God wants to give us this joy. In 1 John 1, verse 3, we found these these words, "...that which we have seen..." And heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy, that your joy may be full. God gives us full joy by giving us the message we need, by giving us fellowship with the Father and the Son, and at the same time, fellowship with one another. The pattern for which was given last week for our joy was this the message, fellowship, and joy. If you want joy, you need the right message, you need the right fellowship, and that produces the full joy. Why was John making this a big deal, though? Why? What was happening around the Johannine community that made this explanation needed? I think a right context is important for us to make right application here. There were two groups of false teachers that, remember, at John's time, there was no canonized Bible. There was no full assembled scripture. So false teaching was prevalent, even as it is today. And the false teachers that had believed and declared a false message about the person of Christ. And I explained last week. Some of the, you had two groups specifically that John is dealing with. Some believe that Jesus was a man, but not God. They were Jewish, in essence. They were ultimately very Jewish in their thinking. Then you had the Gnostic, or the Docetist, the Docetist who they believed that, that Jesus was God who had appeared in a human body. He was just an appearance of God, but he was not God. Or, excuse me, he appeared to be man, but he was not man, that he was only God. And the implication, the implication of both views were so severe that eventually, you need to understand this, eventually, those two groups had cut themselves off from fellowship with the believers who believed what the apostles taught, that Jesus was truly God and truly man. So, you had believers who held to apostolic teaching, what is now New Testament teaching, that Jesus was truly God, truly man at the same time. And you had these other two groups that had split and were no longer fellowshipping. So, that's why fellowship was a big part of the conversation. Now, we must be clear as Christians. Let me be clear of our position on this, not only as Christians, but as a church. There was never a time, there was never a time when Jesus did not exist as God, He has always been the Son sharing the same glory and substance as the Father. There was a time, however, when Jesus did not have a human nature. The eternal Son took to himself a human nature when he was born of Mary by the Holy Spirit. That is what we call the incarnation. The divine was made flesh, took on a human nature. The eternal Son, as I said last week, the eternal Son of God and the historical Jesus are the same person. How is that possible? God made flesh. But John sees the need to combat this false teaching and therefore to, in so doing, help us to have the full joy of assurance by explaining, he's going to explain to us the message. What is the message? Well, the message, that is the first part, if I can get that pattern back up there one more time, the message, fellowship, joy pattern, the message portion needs to be described, and we believe it to be the gospel. The gospel. But John is going to present it to us today in a way that I'm going to guess that none of us would ever define the gospel in this term. And in this way. And in so doing, John is going to take very simple t- simple statements And we're going to see how profound they are. So I hope you drank a little coffee, had a little caffeine before you came in this morning because you're going to need it. We're going to see today John's progression on how the message right there, the message calls us to see God and inevitably we will see ourselves. This message points us Godward while also recognizing over our next couple messages John's going to explain to us In contrast to God, what is the nature of sin in our lives? So I want to jump right in to verse 5. Jump right in. So try to follow me the best you can today. Number one, the first way. Three verses, three points today. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. God is light. John starts the the description of the message by saying this. Look at verse 5. This then is the message. (laughs) Pretty simple, right? This then is the message. That we, Which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, and here it is, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This is the message that we have heard, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now let's unpack this, okay? It's like unpacking a really full suitcase. John said that some people heard a message. The we in this verse were the eyewitnesses that we learned about last week. Who did? What did those people witness? Well, let's go back to last week. Verse one of First John says, "That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and bear witness, and show it unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us." The we in this text is specifically, at the very least, the apostles. Probably, most generally, it is all those who are followers of Jesus. But in this way, in the declaration of who was seen, who was heard, it is the apostles. It is the witness of the apostles. Now, how would you like to spend three years with Jesus? How would you like to do that? Hearing Him. Seeing Him. Touching Him. Eating with Him. I mean... That's over a thousand lunches. And I'm sure you would agree with me that probably all those luncheons, lunches happened at Chick-fil-A, right? Eating some Christian chicken. The apostles had never associated with someone like Jesus. The incredible part about all of this is that John says that we all have seen, we, that we all have the same Jesus that they saw available to us. In verse 5, though, John does something that honestly is surprising. He summarizes the message of the Lord Jesus. After three years, countless Chick fil A sandwiches, countless conversations, hours and hours spent together, hundreds of messages, hundreds of teaching moments, parables, miracles, you name it, not only the death of Christ, but the burial, the resurrection. John summarizes the message they heard, and they were now declaring in this way God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 47 letters and spaces. 47. That's it. And it seems simple, yet I'm going to tell you, it is extremely profound. And the effects of these 47 letters and spaces are endless. They're endless. Now hear me very carefully. These 47 letters and spaces are inexhaustible to us. You can't comprehend it fully, and neither can I. The theme of light and darkness is central to the story of the Bible. In fact, the very first words recorded, the very first recorded words of God in all of the Bible are these words. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The terms in the picture of light and darkness Though in the Bible, gives us at least three ways, hear me, three ways that John wants you by implication of God is light, three ways to understand God. So let me give those to you today. A little more theological, a little more, a little more academic in this way, but stay with me, please. Number one, the statement God is light gives us a moral understanding of God, a moral understanding of God. In the word, light and darkness are pictured as being good and bad. Light signifies righteousness, and darkness pictures evil. Notice in John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Okay, That light has come. It's a person. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds, that's moral, his deeds... Should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest. That they are wrought in God. So there's a moral understanding of light and darkness. Notice Isaiah 9.2. The prophetic, the prophetic scripture about the coming Jesus. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. God is light. It is to say... That God is pure, He is righteous, He is holy. And in this sense, as well, the gospel, the gospel converts believers from the darkness, in this moral sense, from the darkness to light, from unrighteousness to righteousness, from the power of Satan unto God, from unholy to holy, from darkness to light. Notice Acts chapter 26 and verse 18 says in the preaching of the gospel, to open their eyes and to turn them to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, this is the moral understanding. So in, when John says that God is light, he is speaking of the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the pureness of God. In this sense, God is light and in him is no darkness. There's a second way to understand by this. There's an intellectual understanding. An intellectual understanding. I won't stay long here, but hear me very carefully. God is light also meant that God is truth. That God is truth. The light in scripture is often a statement in regards to the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, but God's truth. We know that the light helps us to walk in the truth. And since God is light, he also helps us and leads us in the truth by being the light. Notice the very famous verse in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light, a light unto my path. It's speaking in nature of the truth. It's an intellectual understanding of what is true. And God is truth, is true, Therefore, all that comes from God is true and truth. Number three, though, there's a physical understanding of this. I was trying to think of another way to explain this, and I think physical is the best way to explain it, because God is light, which also forces us to ask a question. Have you ever seen ugly light? Now, I don't like colored Christmas lights. I think they're ugly, but, in, but think with me for a moment. Have you ever seen ugly light? I mean, I'm that guy that when I get home, if nobody's home, Every single light is on in my home. Because I don't like my house dark. I think light is beautiful. Give me all the light possible. I believe that this way of seeing God as light is in the physical sense that since we don't know that light and we don't see light as being ugly, we see that as God is light, He's also matchless in His beauty and glory. God is pure. Beautiful, glorious, so much so that we can't even look on Him. I wonder, I wonder this morning, have you ever been struck by the beauty of God? Have you ever been struck by the beauty of God? I, I wonder this morning if your heart ever pursues to see Him in His beauty. You see, well, that seems a little strange way to think of God. Well, the psalmist said in Psalm 24, 27, verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Psalm ninety and verse seventeen said, "And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us." See, there's something that when John says God is light, he is saying, "Boy, our God is beautiful to look to." Light has that beautifying effect. Have you ever? I want you to think in 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 a, in a, in a picturesque way. Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? I was looking at some pictures this week of places all over the the the, the, the north. Okay, I'll say it like that, where you can see. The Northern Lights, look at this. I think we have a few of these. Look at these pictures. Isn't light beautiful? Keep going. Look at that. Now, if we look at that, and by the way, the beauty of art is to show us the beauty of God. In in this sense, as we think about the beauty of light, how much more beautiful is God? Here's the point of all this. Here's the point of all of this. This message about God is what Jesus was all about. This is the summary of Jesus' message. Is that seeing God as light, and all that means ignites our fullest joy. Our fullest joy. Joy so full that Jonathan Edwards created a word for this. He said it like this. He said, it is a thing truly happifying. It's not even a word. Happifying. So the soul of man to see God, when you see God as holy, when you see him as truth, when you see him as beautiful, and you come in contact, your soul comes in contact with God who is light, it's happifying to your soul. Seeing God as light isn't simply for your feeling good and happy. John's point here is it drives a lifestyle. It drives our lifestyle. Notice number two here stay with me I'm trying to move quickly number two not only was God his light that's the message and in him is no darkness there's nothing unholy there's nothing vile there's nothing unclean about God number two he says if we say notice in verse six if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth Verse 5 leads us to verse 6 because the God who is light has disclosed himself to us through Jesus who is the source of life and makes our fellowship with God both possible and desired. But some of these false teachers seem to believe that we could be in fellowship with the light, that we could be in fellowship. Remember back in, in verse, verses 3 and 4, our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son. And the false teachers seem to believe that we could be in fellowship with the light through Christ and continue to walk in darkness. Now, Stay with me for a moment. This is where it's a little bit academic. The early Gnostics, okay, the people who believed that the body was was evil and only the spirit was good, believed it didn't matter what you did with your body. They were what we would call antinomian. They were against law. You're free to live however you want because God has changed what really matters about you, and that's your spirit. He's changed. He's given you a new spirit. And so your body, live how you want. Because you have fellowship with God, because He's made things right. This is the antinomianism. And John gives clarification here. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. If we think that we have an ongoing fellowship, an ongoing Koinona, as we saw last week, an intimate relationship with Jesus. While walking in darkness, we lie. Now this is the point. Some people would say, if you're not living sinless, you should question your salvation. But that's not John's point. John's point is this. Since God is light, any claim, and by the way, if you're a believer, that light has come to you. You've been translated from darkness to light. So any claim to habitually walking in sin and unholiness, one cannot claim intimate fellowship with God who is light. They can't. Simply put, intimate fellowship with God, with Jesus, is always going to be affected by persistent sin in the believer's life. Because light dispels darkness. It eliminates darkness. The two cannot coexist. And so a habitual persistent sin will always be a barrier to intimate fellowship with the Lord. Notice in 2 Corinthians 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship? For what fellowship? Koinona. What intimate fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? It does not. That's the answer. And what communion hath light with darkness? It does not. And so John says, if we say this, we're lying If we say that we have a deep, passionate relationship with the Father and with the Son and continue to walk in habitual sin, we are liars. It's punchy, isn't it? We not only deny the truth by our words, but also by our lifestyle. The truth that we we don't do is that if we claim to be believers, hear me very carefully, this is so important, Alright, listen carefully. If we claim to be believers, our true self is the new self in Christ. Let me say that again. If we claim to be believers, your true self is your new self in Christ. Why? Because well, we're gonna see as we get farther in, the life of God, according to 1 John chapter 3, the life of God has been. Planted in believers. It's literally God's seed is the word. In the Greek, it's the Greek word sperma. It is the life of God implanted in believers, producing a new life in you. And hear me, that new life cannot sin. It can't sin. What do I mean by that? Your divine nature that was given to you by Christ is unable to sin. So all sin from the believer comes from our flesh. From our flesh. And so when we walk in our flesh, we do not walk in our spirit, in our new man, and therefore the intimate fellowship that God desires, that produces joy, that enables intimate fellowship with the believers, is always affected by sin. Always. Our fellowship with the Father comes because of our new life, because God's seed is in us. Therefore, to walk in darkness is contrary to that life and light. And true fellowship, true fellowship, hear me, both vertically with God and with the Son and with one another will always be affected by sin, habitual, ongoing sin, regardless what the false teacher said and may continue to say. John tells you, John tells you, That you can choose this, you can choose this, but there is a better way. There's a better way. Notice in verse 3. So he said, God is light if we say. The third third, uh, portion of this I want you to see in verse 7. But if we walk, but if we walk. Notice verse 7. The word but is connecting these two verses. Verse 6, we do not and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light. We have a choice to make. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Cleanseth us from all sin. Now look at this with me one phrase at a time. i got to move quickly, so stay, stay with me and listen fast. If we walk in the light... But if we walk in the light, I like how Ortland put this. He said, we don't have to run. We just walk one step at a time. We we do have to be in motion. We do move. We can't be passive about it. But wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, you can get up and you can start walking in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? It does not mean living a sinless life because the light is where we find cleansing from sin. It does not mean living sinlessly. It means walking in the light that cleanses us. Walking in the light is an honest relationship with Jesus and with one another so that we are free to grow as believers. So walking in the light gives us the availability to have an honest relationship with Jesus about our sin with one another so that you and I are now free to grow. Second statement he makes there is, as he is in the light, God is both light, as we saw, and he is in the light. This is God being true to his own very character and nature. He walks in his own glory, beauty, and truth, and holiness, and purity. Because he is all of these things. And so we when we walk in him, as he walks in his own light, there's two implications for the Christian. I hope you're hanging on tight here, because this is tough. Here's the two implications. They're listed for us. Number one, we have fellowship one with another. I'm going to stay here for a minute. I'm going to, it's going to keep being a reoccurring theme for us. This is the fellowship that is wide open. And hear me very carefully. This real fellowship that John's talking about is uniquely Christian. It is uniquely Christian. I don't need to tell you that the world isn't like this, except in some way as an echo of Christianity. The world is harsh. The world in the world, no one measures up ever. The whole of humanity the whole of the human reality spirals down in endless mutual judgments. It cannot enjoy this kind of fellowship. Why? Because this fellowship is based off a person, off a cleansing and off truth. No wonder in our world there's so much conflict. But Jesus came to break that cycle by the cross. Jesus took our real, hear me, our real moral guilt, our darkness. Jesus took it onto himself. Not only our false accusations, but even more horribly, hear me. God's just judgment against our very real sins were taken on Jesus. And here's the truth. Jesus didn't just salve our guilty anxieties though he cares about that. Listen. Jesus in scandalous grace laid his axe at the root of all of our fears when at the cross he absorbed into himself all the wrath of God against us. And in its place Jesus gave back To us, nothing but love. So now, hear me now we, we share in this scandalous grace together. That's what it means to be a church. What it means to be a church is we stand in His light, in His light together, with a safety that this world cannot give. Here's here's what's awesome about this, listen very carefully. You and I have many sins in common. We have many sins in common. But we also have a mighty Savior in common. (laughs) And the sympathy between one another flows back and forth among us with beautiful, glorious gospel power. That is how fellowship within the body is possible. Because we have received grace, we give grace. Because we have sin in common, we don't make our sin in common our focus. We make our Savior in common our focus. And so fellowship can happen. Then he says, lastly in verse 7, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all. Sin. You know, our fellowship one with another is not a human support group. This is not a human support group. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what the church is. This place, this body, this fellowship is where the greatest miracle ever is taking place constantly. You got to understand that. Within our fellowship, this is where the greatest miracle ever is taking place moment by moment day by day and what is that greatest miracle the blood of Jesus Christ is coming down with cleansing power on sinners and there is no sin that does not get cleansed by Jesus he said there from all sin from all sin all 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 the sin that Jesus bore that one that is hard for you to bear Jesus bore it. The sin that you can't let go of, the sin that you can't get out of your mind, that sin doesn't define you anymore. It is not your identity. It doesn't control your future. That sin has now been redefined by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you grasp that, your fellowship with the Father and the Son and with other Christians is radically transformed. Radically transformed. And this is how, this is how Jesus' work on the cross reorients our whole life. Our whole life. It creates a fellowship that's not fake. It's not phony, hey brother, hey sister, fist bump, side hug, see you next week. It doesn't create that. It creates a fellowship that is transformative for the believer. and The false teachers couldn't create it. Society can't create it. It's incapable. Friend, you got to understand, it is incapable. It can only be created by the powerful blood of Jesus, which washes away the sin that we want nobody to know about, so that you and I can freely fellowship with the Father and the Son, and with one another. And that truth ought to wreck your very spirit in a good way today. Because you might have been listening and going, I don't have any fellowship with the Father and the Son right now. There is no fellowship. I got no fellowship with other Christians. My Christian life is a zero. For whatever reason, well, the good news is, the good news is you can stand today and start walking in the light. And you can do so because the blood of Jesus has cleansed every single one of your sins and will continue to do so, never keeping you from fellowship with the Father. Never. Nor with one another. It is the most disheartening thing for a Christian to be kicked out of the fellowship of believers. Where in the world would we find that in the gospel? What sin? is not forgiven. What sin? What mistake? What? We have fellowship with the Father and the Son and with one another because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all, from all sin. Now the questions today in application are not complex. Let me give them to you quickly. And Really, I give you a little bit of homework with the first one. Do I understand what it means that God is light? Now, I'm going to say this. If you can answer that, you're in a better place than I am because I don't know that I fully grasp it. God is light. We saw three ways in which that speaks. Do you see the holiness of God, the truth of God, and the beauty of God? God is light. When you walk out and that sun shines today, remember that God is light. Number two, am I walking in the light or walking in habitual sin against my true self? To walk in habitual sin is to walk against your true new self in Jesus. That is not you. It is not you. The life of God has been planted in you. There is a new you. You are God's child with God's new nature. You no longer have to walk in your flesh. Number three, am I allowing my walk with Jesus to empower true, biblical, grace-infused fellowship? With other believers. I hesitate to say this because it sounds condemning, but when we ignore fellowship with believers, we're ignoring the very base of the gospel. When we act like the gathering of the body of Christ is unimportant, we're acting like the gospel is unimportant. And the hard part now is we're isolated, distanced, masked. I mean, right? Christians have been masked for centuries. True fellowship has been masked for centuries. We've been freed from that by the blood of Jesus to enjoy each other in our new, true self. To enjoy the Father and the Son in deep, intimate koinonia fellowship. It's available to you. It's available. I told you at the beginning, it's not a phantom. It's not a phantom. today, Decide by God's grace you're going to walk in the light, in his truth, in his beauty, in his holiness. You're going to fellowship one with another. You're going to fellowship one with another. You're going to remind yourself daily that all of your sin has been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. And if it has cleansed my sin, then I must remember that it has cleansed your sin. And so I don't have to beat you up constantly for your sin and you to me. That is fellowship. That's fellowship. Told you. Simple, complex, at the same time, beautifying to our soul. Beautifying to our soul.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at ravenswoodbaptist.org. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Ravenswood, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Chicago and around the world.